There we go. That sounds better, huh? Mm-hmm. How you doing, John? We already talked about that. Did we? Happy birthday, by the way. Happy late birthday. I don't think we've had a recording since you had a birthday. <clears throat> no. Another revolution. Yeah. The world has turned, has revolved one more time. Yep. Actually, that's not how years work, but <laughs> that's how days work. Yeah. Well, good day, sir, to you. Yeah, thank you. What have you been up to? Working a lot. Yeah. Been busy. I feel like we should have, uh, it's been so long since we recorded. Yeah. That I feel like we should have a lot to discuss. So I have a lot, just in terms of just my stories of things I've been working on. I've had a lot of firsts and a lot of frustrations and a lot of, uh, uh, I don't know how else to say it, but changes to the way I do things. Um, That's good. Like some, of it inspired, some, of, some of it inspired by you since you've started digging back into some of some Apex code recently and... Are you looking at my bad code? <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm. We haven't really spent a lot of time in in how we, uh, our standards as a development team in terms of you know do we use eighty characters? Oh, I do started. We use I forgot two Dan dance. Do we? What do we do? I forgot to tell you, but I I worked on. I spent a lot of time on this. I started a long time ago. Like basically, um, it's an. I think it's just for Apex, but a, mm -hmm. like a code style, I guess conventions document i had one that i wrote a long time ago and i wish i could find it but i can't i wonder if me and you did that together anyway i found one i put together a long time ago mm -hmm. and i just when i was working on this package um i found it and i was like because i'm you know because i'm looking at your code my code i'm like okay we should we should come to some agreements just on, say my code yeah <laughs> <laughs> damn it uh you got me where's the buzzer i'll just punch myself it's hard not to it's code you wrote. <laughs> it's perfectly valid to say my code. It's not mine, though. Whose is it? <laughs> it's the company's. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I was just like, well, we should. I mean, and it's nothing. It's just like, like we should do things the same. We should have, you know, conventions and standards, right? So that. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't want to like check out some of our code and be like, oh, yep, John clearly wrote that. And Bob clearly wrote that. And Jeremy clearly wrote that. It's like it, it should be reasonably i mean reasonably you know, similar uh, yeah, yeah exactly um you, you might always be able to tell because everyone just even within conventions and boundaries people still have their own styles a little bit you know so that's right sure. but no i had i had started um google has published that started a long time ago actually i liked their the particularly the google web web toolkit project they had a really good conventions document this is forever ago and so I knew, so I went and looked for that. I don't think I could find it, but I found Google's, um, their Java conventions. Mm -hmm. And um, so I pulled, so I got my old Apex document out and then I pulled up uh, Google's Java conventions because I really, in general, I really like their conventions and they just do a good job of like documenting even these things that you wouldn't think about. You're like, oh yeah, you should document that. I would have never thought yeah. of that. Um, but anyway, I, I, using that as kind of some inspiration and everything, I, um, yeah, I totally updated the Apex, Apex Conventions document like a couple weeks ago. It's I'll out there it. somewhere. I, I don't know what directory in our Google Drive it is, but yeah, we, we should look at that because I wanted, you know, obviously I want to get your input on it. So we can talk a little bit about it right now because I did have some things that I learned when I did that. Um, okay. <laughs> What'd you learn? What do you, okay. <laughs> I was oh, waiting you, for you to deny me or something. I don't know. Um, so one thing, one thing traditionally that I've been doing is I, I've, I don't like having multiple lines. I'm, I'm having to learn to like multiple lines 
but I don't normally like to have no, multiple lines for assignments and things like that or initializers and things. I want them to be one line. If they can be, sure. Right. Right. And <clears throat> I, I had set things to 120. So okay. in my IDE, everything was 120. Which I think for Apex, you kind of, I think that's a good number, 120. 100s. Oh, wait, 120? That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, I, I think I do 100. But I think the defaults are either 180 or 120. I think like IntelliJ gives you like... 180 or 80? 80. 80, 80? 80 or 120. 80 or 120. Okay. I think those are the two kind of oh. acceptable numbers. Okay. As either, you know, narrow or really wide. Yeah. Um, so most of my code was formatted to fit within the 120. And I decided to go to the 80. Um, I don't know why. I just huh? so I, really narrow. Yeah. So okay. I, I, I just randomly said, you know what? I'm going to try changing this to be 80 uh, with the idea that I'm going to try to start trying to match kind of what you were doing. And I learned a lot about, about the way I write code and the way it looks and the way, because I write code, not just to read, but to look, I don't know how else to say that. No, your, your code is pretty. You write pretty code. I try. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it may, intentional. It may not compile, but it's pretty. Yeah, it's intentional. <laughs> I, I do notice the difference between yours and mine, because when I did do the code reviews on yours, or the pull requests on yours, yeah. um, I, like to, I like things to read like sentences and paragraphs. No, that's good. That's, yeah. I, I treat writing code like I was writing an essay or something. Mm. Um, in fact, a lot of my practices are based around that. Like You'll see a lot of headings in mine, a lot of comment headers, and that's just me doing an outline. Yeah, And yeah. sometimes those outlines will tell me that I have too much going on and I need to break this out into another method. And that's how that happens. Yep. And sometimes they stay there just because when I'm reading top down, it's easier to see the sections. I did try to use IntelliJ's um, regions because I used to do that in Visual Studio. I used to use regions in Visual Studio, which is basically create oh, region blocks. Yeah. And, 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 and um, I, the, I, don't I, the .NET languages have some kind of syntax for to defining regions? They do. And yeah. IntelliJ does too. Can you use those in Apex? Yeah. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. They, but they don't end up in your Apex code, or is it just like a, is it in a comment? It's a comment. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the one drawback <laughs> to it, is it is kind of a, it's yeah. a comment, yeah. but... Um, I mean, so are docs, right? Apex docs I and Java docs. I hating it. So, I ended oh, really? up hating it, yeah. I mean, I, I liked it once everything was collapsed, but then when everything was, un I don't know, it was just weird. I ended up hating it to the point where I was much happier just having that one line, that one comment that said, these are my, this is my property section. This is my constructor section. This is my public method section. And that's the way I organize things. Um, you're grinning. Like, you have something to say about that. <laughs> no, it's just, uh, I'm just a happy guy, John. <laughs> Don't know what else to say. You know what? This, this whole recording in the morning, I think, I think I like it. Yeah. So, you know, the downside is we're drinking coffee instead of beer but, water. Um, and water. But, yeah. uh. I'm just fresher, even though I'm tired today. Like I'm definitely fresher in the morning than I'm in the afternoon. You're not beat down by the day yet. Yeah, I haven't had, I haven't been demoralized yet. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't either. I haven't. I barely looked at my uh, Asana cards. Um, anyways, what was I saying? Your the collapsible sections or whatever they're called, um, and your headers. Oh yeah. So I I even tried using them in HTML and everything because you can do that there too. Yeah. Um, I found I didn't like it because when I do collapse everything, it it kind of it just did too much. It hid too much. And at least when I collapse it down, I get a comment and then a, a one line that's collapsed. And that's enough for me. Yeah. Because then I could just expand that. Mm -hmm. um, I also remapped. I remember there's, I asked a question on, because I wanted to be able to collapse and uncollapse things in certain sections. And there was no good hotkey because I don't have a number pad anymore. Because mm -hmm. I have a very, 
I have a compact keyboard and even on my laptop, I don't have that. Yep. So what I did is I ended up remapping it to a mouse key. So I'll hold like a command and then left click or something. And that does the single line collapse. So hmm. hooray for IDEs and being able to map keys yeah. and buttons and all that kind of stuff. So that's yeah. all that problem. Um, so anyways, I didn't like that, but um, popping the stack and getting back to the character width. Uh, one thing I noticed is I was able to have more columns in my IDE. So I have a widescreen at home. I sacrificed um, resolution for, for real estate. Uh, pixel density. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and that allows me to have uh, Salesforce open in one window because I use the dual split window that Mac gives you. Windows has a much better Windows manager than Mac. I hate Mac's dual pane thing that they don't, it only lets you do that one thing. Um, but anyways, I'm, I'm, I'm a manual window arranger. Maybe because I don't... Have, have you installed one of the... I have, and okay. I do have one, okay. but it's, it's, I don't like it. Oh, really? Yeah. There's several of them. I mean, surely you can find one that works the way you want it to. Well, because I do multiple spaces. So I have, yeah. I have uh, one space that's got, you know, my IDE plus a browser window, and then I'll have another space that's full with, you know, other stuff. So I don't use spaces. I don't think my brain can handle it. There's too many dimensions oh, or something. I know you I do just, always I have. Just I just swipe don't. to get to the next context, and I'm there. I just, I'm a, I'm a mess of windows on one desktop kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. That's too much for me. That's, that looks cluttered. Yeah, it is. It looks like your desk. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, so anyways, I was able to get more columns. Um, so if I had, normally I'd only be able to have two columns in my IDE. Okay. Because of my character width. You know, I wouldn't be able to read everything. So then I switched it down to 80 and I was able to get three panels. Or two and my project. You mean like th three editor windows? Yeah. Oh, okay. And I do that a lot because um, depending on what I'm doing, if I'm writing unit tests and I have the class and or classes and the unit test class and I can write and I can see both. Um, or if I'm doing uh, web component development, I have the HTML in one panel and the JavaScript in another panel or the CSS in a third panel. So it, it helps me kind of multitask and go across all these pretty quickly. Um, good or bad thing. Yeah. But I had to start reformatting my, my, reformatting my code to fit within that 80-character limit. And that's when I started kind of rejecting it a bit mm. because I had, to, I had to do things that I don't normally do. Like, I might have, like, a map name equals, and then I have to go to the next line to do new map and then initialize And, and Apex, again, is still just so verbose. It um, is very verbose. That you, 80 is just not enough Yeah, for Apex. I mean... I don't think 80 is enough for anything nowadays. <laughs> you know the you know the reason why the 80 thing was it, it was I, it was because the freaking green screen were 80 characters wide. I thought it went back to punch cards, but I could be wrong. Well, I mean that's oh, well, I mean maybe. I mean but that's, I mean I'm saying that the screens they used back then were probably these either what were they 80 by 80 by 40 yeah. characters. That was the there was only one resolution that was it. 80 by 40 characters on the screen. Yeah. And that's why 80 for the longest time was just, you know, old stodgy programmers. There's like 80 characters is how wide your source code is. I'm like, dude, you're on like a Super VGA. <laughs> of course, that Super VGA. Remember Super VGA? Yeah. <laughs> what was that? 640 by 480 or something? Yeah, what I was Super? So. <laughs> I think so. That sounds right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I'm old. Woo! But I, I thought that too, because I was like, okay, well, why are we stuck on 80? Why do I have to use 80? Why is 80 the standard? So I looked into it and I, I thought I read that it, it definitely went back to terminal, but then a few people were saying it actually went back further to punch cards or some kind of um, typing interface that lets you create the punch cards or something had some kind of 80 character limit or something. Um, but anyways, then some, someone else chimed in and I, I wish I'd saved that link, but 
I didn't, so I can't share it, but it's, I'm sure you can research it. Someone else said that actually, because someone had said, well, why don't we have a ton of research talking about what the optimal width is? And someone chimed in and said, we do, it's books. And the, the, what they found with books is that 65 characters is optimal um, mm. because the arc of your eye and yes. your reading is less. And I very much appreciate that. And when I read that, something dawned on me. I had less eye strain when I was using 80 characters because my eyes weren't going like this. Well, you can't or, see me. Or did you or just... The arc of my eye wasn't, wasn't in Spanish you're, so you're much. You're going uh, laterally too, too much. In fact, my eyes weren't really moving much. I could read top down, even though I had more down to read than I, than I normally would. Yeah. But I could read top down without my eyes kind of moving side to side. Unless, unless, of course, I'm moving to another panel. But then I'm context switching, so I'm kind of focused on that. I wonder, though, you know, it, so what did you end up back at? One... No, I'm, I'm still at 80 right now. I'm still okay. trying to give it due diligence. But I did do one other thing that helped, which I was still at four tabs or four spaces per tab and for a friend indentation and things. And I went to two. And while I normally don't like two, when I'm when at 120 characters, I don't like two. Four is great because it looks great and it reads nice. But I found that at 80, two is perfect. And I don't know why, but it is. I like the look of two better with 80. But I don't like the look of two with 120. Okay. <clears throat> this reminds me of the <laughs> my my battle with prettier. The, I don't know if you saw that. I think I was posting the Good Day Search Slack on it. Um, it was it was the project that I jumped in on this mm -hmm. package, and <laughs> this happened several times. Don't you remember, I, I kept sending you pull requests, and and I mean, I would because I'm I usually. You know, I when I do, before I, you know, commit before I make a commit. What's that? What's it called when you make a commit? You commit a commit. Yeah. <laughs> um, when I'm in my pre-committal stage, um, I I always I mean I look at the full diff. I, I mean I'm looking for because I I'll almost always find something. And this is just a, this is a good practice, everyone. I'm sure people do this, but if you don't, you should do this. Um, You're engaged to commit. I just thought of that. There you go. Exactly. When I, <laughs> Uh, but you know, I'm look I'm looking at the diff basically, and I'm I'm just because I want to say, okay, what all did I change? And because I I usually find things. Oh, I left in I left in a print line statement when I was during debugging, or I or oh, I didn't mean to do this, or I'm going to roll this back, or and also I'm because oftentimes like these various tools, whether it's IDEs or something in the tool chain, also can like <clears throat> did something like auto format or reformatted, and it formatted the way you mm -hmm. didn't want, but you didn't see it at the time. Now you see it when you're looking at your diff. So I almost always find things. So you know, I did that. Um, everything looked great. I commit. I push up to my branch. I create a pull request for you to review. I'm looking at the pull request. And I'm like, what just happened? My, this is not, I, don't, I swear this is not what I committed. This is destroyed. <laughs> um, what was it doing? It, it Are you trying to parallel this with marriage? It's so, we're doing. <laughs> so we have, there's some, there's some utils class that's at that project. And I think I touched one line of it, maybe added a, a function or something, mm -hmm. and it reformatted the entire file from like four spaces to two spaces, and it just did a bunch of other stuff. And I was like, so I, so I was like, God, I'm, I'm so embarrassed. I actually sent you that pull request <clears throat> with, so I, I deleted, I canceled the pull request, fixed everything, and then I think I, I think I did it again. And I was like, what? Okay, what am I? I'm going crazy. Something's going mm -hmm. wrong here. I finally figured out. <clears throat> What happened, it was, um, I mean, it was prettier that was redoing the formatting, but there was a, like a pre or post commit 
I guess a post commit, um, get hook. Mm-hmm. So what I'm seeing is fine until then, until I actually make the commit. My diff looks fine before I make the commit. It's exactly what I want. And then I commit and then it's all it, this commit, this get hook, this com- pre, uh, post commit hook kicks in and it's, and it calls prettier and prettier changes, changing all my stuff. And then I'm like, well, why is this not, have it, that's not been a problem before? And why was it not a problem for you? I mean, you didn't know anything about it. You're like, I don't know. Yeah. I've never had, I don't have that problem. But what it, what it was, was, well, you know, when I first checked out the project, I'm like, oh, this is a, it's a package.json. There's probably some LWC stuff in here that I don't understand. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just, I'll just do an NPM. And, and because usually, I mean, when you check out an NPM, I mean, it's an, it, it, it is an NPM project. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think when you do, what is it, force project new or whatever it is. Um, it has a template that yeah, yeah, and it's, it, stuff out. it creates an npm project. Yeah, right. I mean, it's got a package.json. Yeah, and so when you check a, when you check out an npm project, usually the first thing you do is npm install because you're going to need all those dependencies to be able to run the damn thing mm-hmm. or build it. Yeah. Well, so I did that. Really wasn't needed for what I was doing. I'm doing just Apex stuff, so I really didn't have to. Well, it's I not mean, needed for Lightning either. Okay, so I don't even know why. It's, it's I told I, I told you why it's there. It's there for Visual Studio Code. I mean, what is what? Wait a minute. That is so the tail wagging the dog. If Visual Studio Code has to have an NPM project for you to edit code files? I don't think it has to. I think it's just the way that code works, or the way Studio Code works, because it's just a collection of plugins that handles all that. Whereas, in, I mean, IntelliJ, we have one plugin. I know. But I just, I don't, I don't buy that VS Code requires that in any way. I could be wrong. I don't but- think it requires it, but I think it has a bunch of native kind of default helper stuff in there to help you make things look and act a certain way. I could be wrong, but I think that's why it's there. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, I never do npm install on my projects. So that was the problem. So, I did so that's n- why I didn't run into it, and you did. I did npm install, and when and during the npm install, that's when. So it uses something called Husky. I've never used Husky before, but it's it's some kind of, it's almost some kind of like npm or GitHub coordinator tool. Mm-hmm. But so it, it and so the npm install installed all these Git hooks. They all call Husky, and then Husky then has like, you can go into the package.json actually and, and see what Husky does. Like, mm-hmm. And it's linters and prettier and all this stuff. And so I was like, oh, what's, the, what's the quickest way for me to get past this? And then so you, when, you, when you commit and get you, one of the param- parameters you can pass is n- no, no hook or something like that. And so I did that, no hook. Mm. And worked. Pushed the pull request up. That was fine. Well, two weeks later, I'm working on like another I got another um, card I'm working on for this project, mm-hmm. and I forget all about this. <laughs> <laughs> and since I didn't fix it right, I just did the the no the pass the no hooks parameter. I forgot all about this, and I did the same damn thing again. <laughs> and then I had to remember. It took me it took me like a good ten minutes to reconstitute those brain cells. Remember what happened? I had to go look again, and I was like, and then, but it took, didn't take me as long to find it. But then I I was like, ah, oh, crap! I'm just delete. So I went into my. It's in your dot get slash i think there's a hooks directory under there mm. and i just deleted all it's just files that well technically i don't have to create a project that way i can create an empty project i choose to use the standard template in case we have someone come on or someone else working on it that's using visual studio code because my assumption is that template is for visual studio code those things that those npm packages that it that it hooks into and all that is for that mm. Um, but technically I don't need it either. Okay. I just do it as a standard build just in case someone else comes in, checks it out and needs to work on it like a client or something. And they're, they're using visual studio code. Uh, so so I try to keep the projects in a way that if our clients downloaded from our repository repo, that they could run it in VS code. No problem. 
Oh, see, I, I, that, I but I that's have a me assuming different philosophy. That's me assuming that. that the NPM is is there for a Visual yeah. Studio Code dependency. I generally don't want any IDE files anymore these days. I don't want any IDE files in a in a project committed in there. And now, like, now like hang said, on. That's not say, my so package. So npm stuff is they're not IDE files. I mean, sure, the IDs are they know, they know how to read um, npm projects just like they know how to read um, Maven projects and is it Nou NuGet New or whatever? I don't mm -hmm. know what .NET. I mean, so the IDs know how to read those kind of projects, but those are not files for the IDE. Those are files for the for the project to build the project. You know what I mean? Like so, like I don't. I, said, I don't like committing I'm, in. Like, what are the what are the IntelliJ files? Like, I, IML files and all that kind of stuff. Oh I, yeah, I have all those ignored. Yeah, as um, part of my my yeah. more project setup. I don't like that either. I mean, I don't want your ID settings creeping in on my stuff. So, I mean, I can I can see on some on certain projects where you have a team and everyone has standardized on the tooling for certain reasons. Mm -hmm. There are some IntelliJ files, just picking on IntelliJ, that it makes sense to commit in. That it, it sets up certain things, but there's also certain IntelliJ files that you almost always want to exclude because it's just like how wide you made your your certain window or whatever. Like, I don't want your stuff overriding right. me. That makes no sense. Yeah. No, I agree, and I try to sanitize that as much as I can. <laughs> like I said, I only left those in there or only create the standard project because my assumption was that it was needed by Visual Studio Code. Well, DX does not need it. But does, does, didn't DX create that? It did. It okay. does, but it creates it assuming, I think, that you're going to be using Visual Studio Code. And again, I haven't researched it because I don't have time to sit there and figure that out because I don't use Visual Studio Code. I use IntelliJ. I don't. I don't. I'm, I'm going to limb here because I'm so don't know what I'm talking about. But I, I don't think that when DX creates anything for Visual Studio Code, I think the things it creates, whether it's package.json, uh, prettier files, any any RC files, whatever. I think Visual Studio, you know, has plugins for all those things and knows how to deal with them, but they're not for Visual Studio Code. I could be wrong. I'm sure someone will set me right if I am. Um, yeah. let me, I'm just, I just, I found this document. So indentation, two spaces, uh, two two space indents for blocks, no tabs at all anywhere. So I, and and I'm, this is something that like I'd be, I'd be willing to be flexible on like two space or four space, but generally on Apex because. Apex is verbose because there's not real packages. You have to you have to do nested things more often. Nested classes. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying you know, to do less nested classes these days. I mean, as I well, try to do less, less or fewer. I don't know what the word, right word is. Um, fewer. I try to do fewer as well, but you know, usually the, the trade off for that is, is more top level Apex classes. Which again, there's no packages, so we already it's already a crowded yeah. namespace. And and that, that I I'm trying I'm gonna try to solve that problem next with trying to trying to use folders and things since we can do that in DX I kind of abandoned doing that um, when I first started getting into to DX projects or second generation projects and things like that but but folders you still you're still sharing one like namespace though but right? at least you can organize it better you can no you can but like you I can't have a an iterator in my package and an iterator in your package that's the least of our worries I can't have no it's I a huge have, worry it's a I huge can't worry. have uppercase account and lowercase account and treat them independently well that's because I mean, that's that, a bigger problem well, that is it yes I mean it's just apex is case insensitive it's a big problem I mean I wish it was case sensitive but I don't, it's not that is and it's not my It forces preference. you to create different names for things that are exactly the same thing. I know, I know. And you want to treat them the same thing. And if even though you technically can, you can create a contact uppercase contact property name. But at some point, the, the compiler will get confused or the IDE will get confused yep. and it won't be able to help you anymore because it thinks that you're looking at the actual object. I can't tell you how many variables I 
create for a contact, for example, that are either like the contact or contact one, even though there's not a contact to, there's just a contact one, but I can't call it contact. I can't call yeah. it lowercase contact. I know, you know, I'm, and if I mean, I'm using it in a short sentence, um, or a short, I'll, 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 I'll dumb it down to C because the, the, Oh, me too. The, yeah, it's short, short. But scope. my rule for that is that the, uh, the declaration of it has to be very close to its usage. Yes. Well, that, yeah, it can't no. be too far away. Once and it gets too far away, then I have to change that name to something meaningful. Another important part of that is it's not only the usage versus the declaration, but the point at which that identifier, that variable goes out of scope needs to be. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you have, for example, a, a big class mm -hmm. and, you know, you're declaring a field in that class, that needs to, you need, your variable names need to be long and, yeah. and very and, and specific and very disambiguating, you mm -hmm. know? Um, versus if it's just a, a inside a one line for a loop, yeah, call it contact C equals my contact or whatever, yeah. you know, it's fine. And that's where the IDE really helps because I can start with a short name and get my code written. And then once I'm happy with it, I'll refactor that variable name into something longer and just deal with the aftermath after that. But at least during coding and productivity perspective, I can, I can short name it, do what I need to do, and then I can correct it really quickly. Yeah. But the whole, you know, two spaces, uh, that's just... Um, for back when I used to write a lot of Apex, I, I always preferred two spaces because it, again, Apex is verbose, and you, and you need and and this is with a hundred. I've always kind of done hundred hundred uh, wide, mm -hmm. and even at that, which is which is fairly wide. I know some people go to one twenty now, which I think is too wide. But um, even at one hundred, if you're doing if you're doing four space indents, then you just you run out of space a lot. Yeah, and so I just I don't know. I've always I've always done two, but um, what else do I have in here that's interesting? This is this is seven pages. <laughs> um, what does it say about nested nested blocks? Like, is there a limit? Uh, is there? A, I have tried to, and I, I don't oh, really how like many, doing this. How many you can nest? No, I don't have anything on that. I don't think. Uh, no, I, I like an arbitrary limit on how many. Yeah. No. I've tried to kind of reduce the number of indentation within a loop. Sometimes it's unavoidable because you have so much logic within it, and sometimes you can pull it out, and sometimes you can't. Um, I have. And this is another one of my topics, but I'll, I'll, I won't pivot to it yet. But I have started to, I really don't like doing this, but I have started doing kind of validation within the trigger and then continuations using a continue statement to kind of avoid having to do an if, which causes another indentation within it. Um, I only use it for simple cases where it's just like one statement that I need to skip. Once it gets more than that, then I, then I don't do that. I go back to ifs, but I found that kind of helps with readability as well is, you know, if I have, to, if I can disqualify a record with one statement and just do a continue then i'll make that the top line and then everything else can fall underneath it i don't like it for readability and for potential of it being a a bug yeah a bug magnet i don't mm -hmm. know what else to say it's risky i mean some people some people have there's this idea that there should only be one exit point from like yeah. functions and yeah. things and that just it's not real practical it can actually make the code more um hard to read to follow that and then but and to me that that's bug prone yeah. So it's like which which is worse. Yeah, I I go back and forth on it. Like even on on switches or if else's, I'll I'll there are times I'm okay with doing returns within those and there yeah, are times where I'm returns, like, yeah. there are times like I've done it and I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> and I'll go back and assign everything to variables and do one exit. Yeah. Yeah. Um it, it depends on the code, right? Cuz and it's, I think in some cases, you know, multiple return statements would be more readable and less bug prone. And in other ones, it just makes more sense to yeah. accumulate things and then have one one return from the scope. Yeah. 
Um, another oh, here's one that's this has always been a pet peeve of mine. I don't know how we got on this topic, but horizontal alignment. So, um, oh, I, like like let's say you have um, like a, a, a method signature, like you've got mm-hmm. uh, like you're specifying parameters, and when they you have to drop down to the next line because there's yeah it won't fit like like spacing in that sec that that second line to line up where the first variable was first um, declared like right right after the opening parentheses oh so I don't do it that way I don't I know I don't either and I, I, I that's I just hate I've that actually, style so uh, illuminate I don't know if it's an illuminate cloud or IntelliJ but either way there's an implementation. That if you have multiple arguments, you can hit uh, option enter, and a little thing will pop up, and it'll ask you if you want to indent all of those as uh, horizontally. And what it does is it leaves the open parentheses, carriage returns or returns, and then starts the first variable, comma, return, next variable, comma, returns the next variable, and then return and the close parentheses and the open bracket. So you kind of get this block out of it out of your params which yeah. i've i've like it doesn't automatically do it for single arguments which if anyone if uh scott's listening i'd like to do it for <laughs> single because hi scott because <laughs> when it gets really long and i do have to do that indentation i want it to look the same as yeah. everything else if i'm going to do that type of indentation even though it's just one uh man you just made me think of something and i forgot it oh, sorry. dang it dang it bobby anyway um uh what was it wasn't testing argument parameters, horizontal alignment. No, I don't know. I was going to ask you about Apex stock. Do you do Apex stock? No, I've tried to read up on it thinking I might use it, but I just, I don't have a good reason right now to do a bunch of documentation in the code. I mean, we I thought about wanna... I do it for our packages, but I'm like, I still don't think I yeah. want to put, invest that much in the, in the package. I know that sounds bad, but it's just, I'm one developer, and I don't have a lot of time to maintain documentation. Yeah, well, although I we do need documentation, I just just read the code. <laughs> I'm right. doing my best to write good code. Just yeah. read the code. Well, that's I mean that that's by far the best thing is just having having good code um, documentation. So I remember onboarding for a big system that had a ton of documentation. A lot of it irrelevant because the whole thing changed. Yeah, and it was it was daunting. It was a nightmare. I probably spent a week to two weeks reading documentation. And then spent another week or two weeks trying to trying to marry that up with the code, which was not marrying up. And it just no. it just it's it's better to have no documentation. It was, yeah. yeah, let me just, just look at the code. I, yeah, I just started looking at the code. Um, I did reference it for context at certain points, but even then, it was it was tough. And and the I mean, if you're not so one of the I mean, really the main point of something like Apex Doc is um, is because you can generate documentation for your project mm-hmm. and put it out on a like a website or package it or whatever, like HTML, like you can, you know, you're looking at, and if you're not going to do that, and if no one's going to ever read that, then eh, why am I doing this? (laughs) I know. I remember what I was going to say, um, back to the prettier thing. It was, of course, it was really, really pissing me off. And I've, I've never really done much with prettier. I mean, even on my NPM projects, video stuff like that, like I don't use it. Um, I'm, I'm typically the only person working on the project, so I don't have to fight with anyone over code style. I just, as I'm writing it, I, or yeah. I also set my, I'll set my, I mean, my ID set up so I can, if I ever want to just format something the way I want it, I just hit, what is it, op, option command L or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I do that constantly. Yeah. Uh, uh, obsessively, actually. 
but one of the things that really pissed me off, I couldn't figure out why is it doing this is on with prettier. If you have, if again, back to like a, you define a function that takes parameters mm-hmm. and if those, if those, if that, that method signature, I guess those parameters don't won't fit on one line, then it, it'll wrap, but it also invokes the rule of one parameter per line. Which I like. So, if for instance, like, this is the dumbest, m- most waste of space I've ever seen. This is so dumb. Um, but, Which I do get. And but I, I went to, that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, I think that's probably Despite a lot. Despite liking it, I, I do agree, it takes up a lot of space. And, and I, I'm sure a lot of people, when they first see this style, they they have the, probably have that reaction, but I went to Pritcher's website. And I'm just I was kind of like just hate looking at its website <laughs> at the time. <laughs> and but like the, just the, their message right on the front of the website, it's like, hey, we get it. Like, uh, not everyone's going to agree, but Prettier was is all about just like ending the arguments. Like, you never have another argument about this again. And and I was like, so that kind of like hit me in the feels a little bit there. I'm like, yeah, I like that. I like that idea, you know? <laughs> and then, it, you know, and then I was looking at, you know, they just had some of these demos of the sample code, and, you know, and, and I was looking, some of it was that, you know, one parameter per line. I'm like, it's already grown, kind of grown on me. I, I kind of get it. You don't have to argue about, again, back to the, if, if you do wrap, do you then, do you do then horizontally buffer that second line in so its parameters start when the first lines does? And, yeah. and those never look good. And because if you don't do that, then, then you have the thing where on that wrapped line, you have to double indent it because yeah. you don't want it to start at the same vertical position as the actual body of, the, of that method. Yeah. And which I've never loved, but it's, it's the right way to do, I think, that. And if you're not doing something like the way Prettier does it. So I don't know. I'm, I do like that idea of like, these are probably pretty good defaults. You may have, you pro- everyone probably will have some, like, that's not the way I've done it, and so it looks weird to me a little bit, but just put prettier in your script and, your, and set up your IDE to read the prettier mm-hmm. RC file, and uh, you don't have to worry about it ever again. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. I, could, I could definitely be persuaded that, to use that in projects, I think. It will I don't take mind incorporating me. <laughs> some of those ideas into a standard and having that as standard because I I, I think there's places where I I have certain strong preferences. You want to hear my uh, bullets on code comments? Go for it. I want to see how <laughs> how much I infringe on that. Okay, comments are good, but there's also a danger of over commenting. Never try to explain how your code works in a comment. It's much better to write the code so that the working is obvious, and it's a waste of time to explain. And, and, it's, and it's a waste of time to explain badly written code. Generally, you want your comments to tell what your code does, not how. And also, I should add in there why. Sometimes, sometimes it's super useful to know, like, why in the hell was, he, was this person doing this? Mm-hmm. Because there's stuff you don't know reading that code. That's when I do put in a code. Uh, I'm going to edit this now. This is, I'm, this, I'm glad we're workshopping this. Because um, there are times where I do have <laughs> an, an obvious nested query in a loop. And I'll put a note and saying, yeah, this is intentional for X, Y, Z. Or I, I have a without sharing on a class and I put in a note. I'm doing this because of X, Y, Z. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I do notice those kind of patterns and I will put a, a comment-like note. I try there. to, too. It's like, and I'll even, always, I'll say something like, I know you think I'm crazy. Yeah. Whoever's reading this right now, but here's why I'm doing this. <laughs> it's, 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 not, it's not even me trying to help the reader. It's me going, I'm embarrassed by this line of code and I'm going to explain myself here. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, because if you, 
if someone reading it doesn't have the context, they don't have the full picture. They they didn't go through the battles that you went through mm -hmm. to get to where you're at. And also, you want to save them from having to go through those battles, from them having to shoot a shoot a foot off before they realize why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. Next, try to avoid putting comments inside a function body or method or whatever. Instead, put the comments at the head of the function, telling people what it does and possibly why it does it. Uh, sometimes it's useful to document something that's clever or not obvious from the code. I think I added that as a a little bit of a uh, compromise. Hmm. And then if you have to write a comment that isn't a doc string, it should probably be refactored. Comment that isn't a doc string? What's yeah. a doc string? Um, like a Apex doc type of thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, that, and again, these are these are general rules, you know. But I don't like this style, and I, you do this, of, here's my public methods. Oh, here's my private. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know what the words public and private mean. <laughs> it's because the reason I use it is for regions. I create regions in the code. It's, yeah. not, it's not like I'm trying to tell you this, this is the properties. It's like, this is my property region. Yeah. This is where I put all my, my properties. This is where I put all my public methods. This is where I put my privates. <laughs> <laughs> God, John. <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, you know the judge told you you can't do that anymore. Okay. <laughs> I just I just like my code to be very organized and very consistent, and I've developed these patterns, and that's what I do. Uh, and so in place of regions, because I couldn't do regions, because I thought I wanted regions, <laughs> I... um. Your private, I, I, your private regions? Yeah. Because <laughs> I wanted my private regions. I, I developed this kind of pattern of, of creating these, these comments that define my regions in my class. And uh, because when I collapse everything, I can quickly see where things are going to be at and I can jump to it. I don't like using the outline in, because, mm. you know, you can get that outline in your IDE that kind of shows everything. Do you, I never you liked using that. Do you use Command 12? I uh, don't think so. No. Command so Command 12 is a freaking source of wizardry in, in IntelliJ. What does it do? It, well, so if you're, like, say, in a, in a class file mm -hmm. or whatever, or really, I think any language, Command 12 brings up a menu of, like, all the elements of the class. Like, it's mainly, you're looking at methods, but I think it can show, like, like um, fields and stuff like that as well. Mm. It's super, and also once it's up, especially if you have a, let's say you have a class that's got a lot of methods, shame on you, uh, but you can bring up command 12 and then you can start typing as you can with most things in IntelliJ where you're, you're mm -hmm. focused on like a list of things and it just starts filtering that thing down. And then you just like, you error to one you want, hit enter and it takes you right to it. But also in, like if you're, do you use IntelliJ's database tools? Sometimes, yeah. Okay. So let's say you're, um, you open up a, a table you double click on a table and opens it up and you're looking at you know it fills it like a data grid with 500 rows or whatever mm -hmm. um let's say there's a lot of columns well you can if you hit f12 in that context it brings up a list of columns and then you can just start typing on that and filters that down and you can just you know easily jump right down. i mean it's just and it it has this kind of functionality everywhere there's like a list of things i mean just try command 12 everywhere it's amazing i'll try that but the reason i do that is is because i can collapse everything and i can place new methods is really why i do it I can collapse everything because I like to place things somewhat logically. I attempt to. It doesn't always work. Yeah. But if I'm going to add a new method or something, then I, you know, I'll collapse everything down so I can see where the right place is to put it. And I'll 
I'll do my my thing there. Um, so it's just kind of a way to kind of get rid of any kind of distraction from everything else and focus on what I need to focus, and then I'll then I'll just uncollapse everything and just like normal. Yeah. So it's just a way for me to kind of manage my regions in it. I don't use gotcha. it for any other reason other than that. I don't really expect anyone else to like it. It's just I out its way. It, you'll see it in methods too because I outline my methods as well. You know, I'll, I'll be like, I'm loading this, I'm loading that, I'm loading that, and I sometimes, more often than not, I leave those comments in there. I try to go back in and clean them up, but they end up staying in there, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But it's not really meant for explanation or anything like that. It's just for me to kind of be able to kind of go back and know when I need to refactor something. But I don't always get the chance to refactor mm. it or break it out or do something with it. Yeah. We should probably, we've spent like, what, an hour talking about code oh. style? <laughs> it's very exciting. It's great for a podcast, too. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. Um, so it's been so long since we recorded that I don't think we talked about this <laughs> Salesforce entering the streaming wars. Hey, I saw the headline, but I haven't followed it since then. Have they done anything with it? Or is it just a... A PR thing. I mean, it's it's just kind of silly. Um, I'm I don't know. Oh, let's 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 look at. Okay, Salesforce is a big company with a lot of money, and their core strength is uh, marketing is marketing and messaging. Um, they're also really good at like making videos of stuff of you know, and I'm sure they I'm sure a lot of it's you know they bring it in. I mean, I know people who run some of these firms that do like all this crazy video production and different stuff like that um, yeah. for Salesforce. But um, they, I mean, clearly that's just a core competency they have, and and they're and so I don't know whether if they're if this content they're going to have on their streaming service if it's more like I don't know if it's going to be like dramas about Salesforce and enterprise software and <laughs> you know oh are they going to get it deployed you know if you tune in to next episode you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or if it's going to be more just like, you know, nonfiction, like kind of like video trailhead, like, I don't know. Um, but I mean, either way, it kind of makes sense. I don't think it's now they, they did say they were, they're going to have like a hundred like editors, like people hmm. creating content, like producers or something like that. And so I guess that's, it, it could, that's not, it could I mean, take a, I was more on board with it with the idea of it being kind of more trailhead-like, a place to kind of show videos and instructionals, and a place for them to stream events like Dreamforce and things like that. Um, especially given how at any given day we could be forced home again. Yeah. Um, so I kind of saw it as that, and I kind of saw the advantage of having that. But if they're going to hire that many editors, that sounds like they're probably going to try to produce quite a bit of original content. It might be business-focused original content, which could be good, could be bad, could be cringy. That's a could li- also be very. Isn't that what you very, want to do in your in your when you're sitting at home on the weekend? Like, honey, what movie should we watch? Let's watch something about de- you know a Salesforce project. Yeah, will they get it deployed? Is you know will the users be happy? Dum dum dum. The other, I know, I know, we can do some voiceover for him. In a world. And, and what's your what's your thing your uh, pet peeve the that's what's the sound effect the blah or whatever oh, yeah. that I don't know if, is that a trombone what the heck is that like a bass trombone what <laughs> or, is or is it just completely synthetic nowadays I think it's <laughs> I mean it's an orchestra thing so it's an, okay. probably a mixture of different instruments <laughs> oh, a lot man. of horns um, deep horns but no I mean just like rough numbers I mean it looks like just again depending on uh, just based on what some of the stuff Salesforce has said about 
some numbers. I mean, it sound I would guess they're going they're going to be spending somewhere between like 30 million and 100 million dollars a year on this. I mean, if they're going to produce original content, they'll be spending a lot more than that. I mean, just salaries alone for the number of people they said they're putting on it is 30 40 million. And and, and then that doesn't yeah, count like got, production costs. Yeah, production I mean, costs. that's what I'm saying. And, and I don't know, I mean, they're going to bring in like and or licensing of whatever else they're yeah, do, I mean, they bring in actually like, you know, kind of B-grade Hollywood directors and stuff. I mean, those guys probably aren't cheap. Um, it's probably going to be a slew of kind of business-focused interview-style thing. I mean, along with Trailhead and Dreamforce-type content, I'm sure they'll have a bunch of interviews with celebrities and talking about their latest thing and how great they are and how how generous they are <laughs> and how we all need to be better people because we all suck and we're evil. <laughs> I just, I just don't want to be preached at. I mean, I, I, you are. I don't mind if, you if, are it's, if it's content where I can learn, but if it's content where I'm going to get preached at, I'm not going to watch it. I don't. I don't think that's what it would be. I mean, I, I don't. And know. I'm not going to force my family to sit there and watch it. I think this is. I think it's. This do, is do, are you going to uh, pay me to to watch stream uh, stream Salesforce Plus? I can I can I get some? some I guess we should ask our, we should ask our boss to do that. <laughs> yeah. No, well, that was my. That's what I, that was my joke when I tweeted. I'm like, can I put this on my timesheets? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Does this count? <laughs> I mean, does this IRS can allow me to write that off this time that I spent? Uh, it's a business expense, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's for business. We'll have some parody shows like Game of Thrones, but it's Salesforce. I don't know. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> Let's think of some titles. Um, oh, uh, hmm. Let's do one for Silicon Valley. What, what, could, what would be a Silicon Valley style Silicon Valley? show? Silicon Valley? Silicon. That sounds like a par- an inappropriate parody of Silicon Valley. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I've been watching the wrong thing. There. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a, it's a it's an honest mistake that you can yeah, make, you know. Yeah. You know. <laughs> uh, God, I can't. I'm not thinking of anything. What would what would be like a, a, a parody of Game of Thrones that, in the Salesforce context? I'm such a developer guy. It's like I don't know, Game of Flows. I don't. Know. <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah, Game of Flows. <laughs> that's good. Oh, I like it. They should hire you, John. Oh, there you go. Man, that's great. So I don't know. I mean, it'd be interesting to see. I don't. Uh, I don't know if there's any dates or breaking, and it's, and breaking they, prod. <laughs> there we go. There's another one. <laughs> and it could be PRD. Yeah, just like the yeah, yeah. Instead of BR, you know, breaking right. prod. Yep. Um. Yeah, uh, and then they said they're not going to charge for it. You know, so it's it's obviously it's a, it's a this is a selling and marketing tool. So, but then. Yeah. I'm just interested to see, like, what what is it really going to be? Is it comedies or something? Like, drama? Like, a mix of things? Like, some family shows? Maybe some animated, an animated series? Oh, maybe. <laughs> I do like some of their commercials. They're pretty funny. Salesforce's? Yeah. I haven't seen any funny commercials from them. Oh, yeah, they're on YouTube. Oh, really? Yeah, they yeah. haven't done any recently, but there was one where, I guess, they had, like, just some shared spreadsheet of all their, like, contacts and everything, and the the, the woman goes to, because the guy asks, you know, for some contacts, she's like, oh, yeah, I have it right here. And the sheet's deleted. The guy looks up and he goes, who did this? It was just the way uh, he did it. It, yeah. was just, it was just hilarious. I still think the funny thing is Mark Sasquatch coming out of the bushes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was great. I just, I couldn't unsee that. As soon as, it was just kind of lurking there. And this the way he came out. I was like, he's a little Sasquatch back there. Yeah. <laughs> it's <was> Bigfoot. <laughs> that was great. That's just his natural uh, comedy. He didn't even try. It's an accident. His natural charm. That's how he woos the investors. Um, well, John, what's on your, uh, must cover for today since we're, Oh, uh, we're down to must covers. Well, we're approaching the hour mark here. We won't get into optimizations. That's, it's not too bad. I mean, you have I, a lot of, you have paragraphs on that. You don't want to talk about that? 
I mean, what of your uh, what of your stuff here do you want to really want to talk about? I mean, the the optimization thing was kind of more lessons learned because I kind of cut my teeth on doing something. I got so used to doing my normal patterns of of somewhat defensive programming and um, avoiding limits type programming. You know, trying to avoid unnecessary queries and things like that. Where I ended up, uh, I'll, I'll I know I need data, and I know I need to get. Uh, I know I need to get that data based on the context of other data. And so okay. I'll loop through that data to get all the indexes so that I can efficiently grab only the records I need from this data set and pull that in. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been, I've been working with this really pretty big data model. It's, it's EDA. It's, uh, I'm working on course registration. I'm actually building two course registration tools right now, um, self-serve. Uh, but anyways, that means I have to span across six, ten objects to collect and composite all the data that I need. And so if you imagine me trying to index all these IDs and everything and then do queries, um, it got a bit complicated and daunting. Um, but I noticed something about the pattern is there are some objects where I know the data set's low. It's never going to be too big, mm-hmm. especially once I query it by contact. I mean, a student's not going to have a million records attached to them. You sound like famous last words, Sean. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it and does. that's why I got the rut of this overly defensive programming where... I was caching so many IDs and doing so many loops when I'm like a student at most is going to have forbid, God forbid, a thousand uh, courses registered themselves. Who could take a thousand courses in their lifetime? Oh, trailhead, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, see, you're talking to the wrong crowd, see, John. <laughs> I'm just saying it should fall with, within the 10,000 limit. It shouldn't be that taxing on the system or the yeah. heap. To just query by contact instead of trying to collect all these IDs and go, okay, I need contact and I need course and I need term and I need this. Just give me, just give me what they're, what they've been enrolled in. Yeah. And I'll loop through that and I'll deal with the aftermath because I can do different filters because I did need it in different contexts. So, and it just simplified the code so much when I started relaxing a bit on my strictness of caching, grabbing IDs, um, only grabbing data that I absolutely need and just being okay with having a few records in memory that I'm never going to touch. Is this, is this part of your premature optimization? Yeah. 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 Um, I've, I've, I, this is a lesson that I, I'm glad I understand that. That's just the, there's the general guidance of not prematurely optimize because the reality is, is like we make all these micro decisions all the time and you are optimizing. I mean, we just by default, like, I'm trying to think of an example, but nothing really comes to mind. But I mean, just constantly, we're as experienced engineers, where we are, um, you know, just kind of by default doing things that are not stupidly inefficient, right? Um, but it just uh, this is not too long ago, working on this project, and I think it was, I think I was looping through something, and the way this, the way this kind of framework i was using uh, i was looping through something and and for each thing in it like writing um appending to a, a file mm-hmm. just a disk file and mm-hmm. you know i thought to myself because uh, i'm the the i'm actually streaming through i think it was probably like a big csv file or something and it, and it had uh, i think hundreds of probably i think it was millions of rows in this file and i thought well man if i'm if i'm looping through that and, and appending for each row in the csv i'm appending out to another file I wonder, um, this framework I'm using, like, when I append to the file, does it then close the file? And then on the next iteration of the loop, it, it opens that file back up and then appends to it? Because mm. that's a lot of, like, yeah. um, you know, like, you're probably burning up file hand. I'm having to open up, you know, the, think of what happens at the OS level, like, file handles and all kinds of stuff. Surely that can be efficient. Now, I should have stopped myself right there because 
it's lightning fast. But I just, I, I didn't, I didn't listen to that inner pragmatic self. I go digging through to try to find out, and I'm asking people, I'm like, is this thing, how does this work? Is this opening a new file every time? And, and someone was like, well, why do you ask? <laughs> <laughs> is, is there a performance problem? And I was like, oh, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then they're like, well, I mean, this actually is a, it was a Java thing. I'm like, you know, it's using Java, and there's something called NIO. It it's, stands for new IO, but it's not, it's not new. But, um, but it uses a really efficient under-the-hood system so it, it kind of i think it technically was opening and closing the file every time but just it's because it just all that underlying plumbing is so efficient it it doesn't matter and it's a, actually because um i love the saying i feel like t someone told me thomas soul said this but i'm not sure that's right but there are no solutions there are only trade-offs and that is so true yeah everything is a trade-off what and, and, and you know think of of course that easily applies to technology but also think of um just um, medical care. Everything's a trade-off. Everything you put in your body, every time they decide to cut on you, ev everything has to be weighed. Mm -hmm. what's, the potential, what's the potential benefit? How important is it needed? What's the potential downside and risk? Yeah. Everything is a trade-off. And that totally applies to technology. And the trade-off, had they made this thing so that uh, it, it stayed it kept like an open i don't even know what the right terminology i'm just gonna say file handle it kept an open file handle for your loop then then the problem that would have been created is now as a consumer of this thing you're responsible for like opening it at the beginning and then once you're done looping you have to close it mm -hmm. and which again and can you and trust no, in normal program it? terms not that big of a deal and like in languages like java i mean if, you, if you're writing java code this is actually not well this is this is probably a camel thing and so you know it, with camel i mean you're abstracted from having to like open and close resources manually, that shit's all handled for you. And, and since it is handled for you, the framework doesn't necessarily know that, oh, you're just in the middle of a loop. And so it just, it just reopens the file every time. And it turns out, because of the efficiency and the technology under the hood, it's not a problem. It's just literally not a problem. Yeah. But I wanted to make it a problem, because that's just what, how we think. Yeah. <laughs> I think I can add to that in, in that, um, you also got to be careful about what you read online when you're trying to learn something. No, it's all true online, John. No, and, and that's not what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, t I'll, t I'll, t I'll give you an example. I allowed myself to feel bad for using the new for each statement in, in a JavaScript. Because everyone out there says the for, um, the for iter iterator, the you know, for initialize i equals zero, yeah. that, that statement. Uh -huh. That style of statement is so much faster. But it's negligibly, fa neg negligibly faster. Okay. Easy um, for you to say. It was not easy to say. <laughs> um, but for the, and you'll see this in my code or in the company's code. <laughs> <laughs> you made me choke on my coffee. <laughs> um, you'll see this in the company's code. Um, you'll see places where I'm using that, that for I equals, and, and, and I don't need to, because mm. I don't need the index. I don't need to know where, where it is in the array. I just need to loop through the array. Yeah. Um, and for, for each was so simple because I just tell it and I, and sometimes I can one line it and sometimes I do need to, to scope it and all that kind of stuff. But I allowed myself to feel bad and I started changing it because I felt bad. Cause like, Oh, well, that's not, it's not performant enough. It's, no. it's, 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 I'm losing milliseconds here. And probably, I had to stop probably myself. not, probably not even a single millisecond. Probably not even. <laughs> I had to stop myself. I was yeah. like, this is dumb. Yeah. I like using this keyword. It's readable. I, I shouldn't feel bad about using it. It's a good abstraction. Yeah. It's, I mean, 
why am I writing code that the thing will write for me, basically? Because someone online said it was faster. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> well, and also in Java, this is JavaScript, you said? Yeah. Yeah. JavaScript is such a weird language and has such a, just a crummy past that... Oh, God. Um, There's some things... That, well, I you just... know, like arrays in JavaScript. Now, I don't know how they're implemented now, but they were implement, implemented as... They were basically just elements, like keys in a hash. I mean, there were really... There was really no difference. So, you... If when you were indexing an array, you really had to do the like a looping variable um, and access it with the bra with brackets. Because if you did the for in, I forget what the exact syntax is. I just don't do much JavaScript anymore. But it would, not only would it loop through the actual array elements, but it also would loop through things on like the prototype of the array, which would be like, well, yeah. one of the others. There's something mm -hmm. called prototype on, it, but like yeah. all the other, um, oh, what are the like the default things in all JavaScript? Prototypes, just, like, just, like, yeah, just the things that yeah, it was right? loop, yeah. loop, loop through those too. So, and so you're getting, you're not, you're getting more than just the elements of your array. Getting all this like yeah. just cruff from the object. <laughs> but the newer, whatever it's the called, the newer it doesn't, right? Yeah, it's optimized. It's yeah. fine, you know. And unless you unless you need to access that looping variable, like if you're if you're looping through like two arrays at once, mm -hmm. and like in the body of the loop, you need to access the you know that nth array for one array and the that nth element for another array then you you know you need you do need that looping variable at that point that or you just chain your your filters or whatever you're trying to use your for each's yeah i guess <laughs> that's another nice thing about these statements is that you can chain them which is nice um i don't know i don't know if that's to me it's readable to me do I, you mean I like, like the the functional methods like the like the yeah, because on array okay. I can do like filter and then oh I can do, yeah, yeah i can do yeah. filter and then dot find index right after it come yep. out of it uh, thankfully, because it returns empty arrays, it doesn't return nulls. Yeah, um, which is nice. Mm -hmm. But it's always you. You always feel you. You feel nervous about doing that sometimes. Chaining these things when you're not sure what the build pattern is. Like, does it return null? or Does it return empty? Those array? are designed to be safe for that kind of yeah um, functional style. You can like compose. You know, so like compose uh, functions and yeah, all that kind of stuff. I wish I could do that more in Salesforce. I mean, it's an apex. I just I can't seem to get a good build pattern going. It just seems so clunky and just, yeah. just not conducive. It just, every time I've built one, I just, I hate it with a passion. I, I, I like the syntax of using it, the kind of fluent API kind of builder pattern thing, but implementing it in Apex is, it, it feels dirty. Yeah. It's just, again, Apex is, um, cause you don't get any, you don't get any inheritance. You don't get any kind of, um, uh, generics or anything like that to kind of help kind of minimize some of the the kind of weirdness of doing yeah. a builder pattern and also just knowing the builder patterns are kind of weird because you never know when, when you can stop the chain or what happens when you stop the chain. Cause well, you never know if you're getting an instance back or if you, or if you're what, and that's usually solved by a, an official build method. Yeah. So that's, so I was going to say that there's, there's a fine line between the builder pattern and, and just method chaining. Yeah. So builder pattern, like the whole idea of the builder pattern is that you can with nice looking like let's say you've let's say without the builder pattern you, you've got some um, class that you need to instantiate a new instance of but it, it needs 12 constructor parameters and they need to be constructor parameters because let's say you want this to be it needs to be like a is uh, an immutable mm -hmm. class or is immu as immutable as possible so you want to provide all the initialization in the constructor right. so that you get back a ready clean potentially immutable object well, I mean, if it requires 12 different things to be passed in, now you have an ugly constructor and the 
method call to it or the the invoking of that constructor is ugly and it's hard to tell which parameter oh is that the seventh parameter or eighth parameter i can't you know yeah this is a mess so builder pattern solves that you can just you know you have a builder class that takes each what would be a parameter method is actually just a method call and it's and it builder pattern incorporates method chaining so you can just like dot height dot width dot color dot whatever um and at the very end the dot create is what it does is and again it's in one call behind the scenes it's abstracted right it it initializes an instance of this class and gives you back a fully completed class so it's all about kind of immutability and like an atomic and safe initialization of a of a complex object yeah and that's that's an important distinction to have because if you if you don't you end up you end up kind of leaving this open-ended chain and you never know when it's it's officially initialized yeah so usually the that's again the builder pattern that like the last thing you're going to call is either like dot create or dot build something like that um like a pet peeve. I, this this code I have to use sometimes. And I'll see some things like um, you know, it's the blah 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 builder, and the last method call is not dot build, which it should be. It's like dot create. I'm like, how did you guys get this wrong? <laughs> it's literally the thing is literally called X Y Z builder, and you made the method call. You made it create. I mean, come on. Yeah, don't look at my query builder. Yeah. What is this? Did you were you, did you just get the thesaurus out and you're like trying to just be creative with your method names? <laughs> but yeah, but, but method chaining super useful too. It's just like. um like a lot of this functional stuff, it's like you're not you're not necessarily building anything. You're just you're setting up like a chain of. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but everything everything has to be designed to work. You know, I guess it's got to return the thing, so you can right. keep calling methods on it. Those do make uh, they do just make code so much better, though. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's see. Did I have anything that like really wanted to talk about? There was an interesting thing. I think it hit Hacker News. It's like time to retire the CSV and make makes good arguments, but. Uh, we are just we are not ready to retire the CSV. I can tell you, <laughs> I, I don't think anything. I don't know that anything can. I mean, there's there's interesting alternatives. Um, the problem with the interesting alternatives is they 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 sacrifice simplicity for elegance. You know, they they all have this this intent of elegance that they know how to solve the the data typing issue. They know how to solve the data conversion issue. They know how to solve the data nesting con- problem. But nothing beats the simplicity of a text. Word or characters and a yeah. comma, characters and a comma. Yeah, it's just extremely simple. And I mean, there's definitely portable. downsides to CSV. It's, um, you know, it doesn't it doesn't have any schema. It's not it's not validatable. Um, it's not efficient on disk. Whereas, I mean, some of the some of the alternatives are like kind of binary, like um, oh, what's uh, like parquet files? Uh, is that, um, there's other things too. Like, I'm trying to, I'm scrolling through here now. I forget, but there's 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 things that are like very very similar um but they're you know they're binary so they're more efficient but then but then now the problem is it's not readable and just so often you just need to open up the csv and look at it yeah and just to okay so if we forego that which is super valuable what what are we getting in return that is just going to change our lives it's so it's so worth it and then i just don't think there is anything yet Uh, the same can be said about javascript i mean it's just it's just uh, yeah there's there's things that do certain things better yeah but we're just it it's it's just filled that niche so well i mean it you i mean it's got its faults yeah but none of them outweigh a need to change it or to to replace it i mean we can work around those issues yeah fairly well 
I mean, debugging everything was a huge issue, huge when JavaScript was first out. I hated debugging JavaScript. What was? Do you remember when they? What was? Um, what was Firefox? Not Fire. It was um, Netscape's. It was a debugging plugin. It was the first one um, before everyone had their developer tools built into the browser. What was that called? Um, Firebug. Firebug. That was Firefox. It was no. not Netscape. It wasn't that Navigator? That was Firefox. So Firefox? Yeah. So it was Firebug. That was like the yeah. first debugger, right? Mm-hmm. For JavaScript? I mean, that I... Like, and that everything's I cloned it since then. The, the yeah. Chrome tools oh, yeah. are basically Firebug. Yeah. I, t- I gotta tell you, man, those the Chrome developer tools are freaking amazing. I try to read, like, you know, when Chrome will just install an update. And if you go open up developer tools, it'll say, oh, here's what's new in developer tools. Mm-hmm. It's just every time it's like, it's just, there is so much mind-blowingly awesome stuff in, in developer tools. You could study it for six months and yeah. you wouldn't, you wouldn't know everything. I know. I mean, it just like, even the, like the performance analysis stuff, it's just, it's all amazing. Yeah. It's crazy. By the way, I have switched to Brave pretty much completely. Oh, for development? No, just for my browser. Everything. Oh. I, I, I use Brave, but I, I don't use it as often as I probably should. I mean, Google's, and this totally makes sense, but their, their, their refusal and, and complete lack of interest in protecting its Chrome's users' privacy is just, it's just gotten to a point where I, I can't. Well, it's, it's it running Chromium now. It was proprietary something Brave else. Is, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, and that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. But, I'm talking about the Chrome browser. They, they just refuse to, get on board with what everyone's doing in terms of protecting um, user privacy. Well, that's because it impacts and impacts. It's their business. <laughs> impacts their no, bottom line. I mean, when you think about it, it's like, well, of course they would build a browser that doesn't protect your privacy. Yeah. That's their business. Yeah. I, how, you cannot trust, you literally cannot trust them. I mean, it's, it would be, it would be dumb to think that you, you would trust them. That, that's the only reason I give Apple as much trust as I do is because they're not in the business of selling no. your data yep. or selling your, your history. It's yep. just, and that, not, not that Apple's perfect. I mean, there's this whole, like, we're going to scan all the images on your computer thing that's gotten been in the news. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, and of course, they, well, they were also luckily, they did a contact tracing. Everyone fought that too. So, yep. And they did, apparently, they just did a 180 on the scanning your images. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so they're not perfect either. But I, yeah, certainly I, I tr- not. I trust Apple a lot more. But yeah, in terms of d- data, I mean, I don't know what they are doing with my data, but they seem pretty. Pretty, they make good decisions. I mean, like, like there's certain things, security features that are hardware based. They're not cloud based. Yeah. That, that I like. Yep. You know, they're not sending my fingerprint up to their cloud to validate it. It's on a chip, local. Yeah. Um. Oh, one passwords is moving to Electron. Did you see this? No. You didn't? No. Yeah. So one password eight. Which is already in beta. You can use it. You can try it now. I'm I'm scared to install it. Um, I I think I need to though, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But yeah, it was um somehow kind of leaked, and they had built two two um like version eights. One of them on their whatever their existing you know their platform independent. Mm-hmm. Um, they like so their their Mac app and their Windows app are all you know that's not independent though. They're two separate apps. And that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're completely separate apps. Um. But they also uh, um, make them platform dependent. Yes, uh, yeah. I was using independent a different way, but yes, you're right. Um, but they also had built this. I mean, like, apparently they've been working on obviously the, an Electron app, and oh, of course they got you know, a lot of bad press for that. At least in, in amongst the nerd circles that know what that means. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I think Electron this whole thing's probably gotten a lot better 
and and obviously you know with the machines we have they're just got a lot more ram and everything nowadays but it just uh, it rubs me the wrong way it's like i mean one password they're like there's supposedly like a billion dollar company now it's like really you couldn't keep yeah like your mac team i mean what is there you can you can run a mac team for probably a couple million dollars a year run a windows team for a couple million dollars a year you're a billion dollar company are you really you, you're having to cut those corners i mean because I, I get that going electron will be cheaper for you right but there's no way it's better no it I mean, it's not be. better can't be so disappointing and i just hope it doesn't suck the reason i th- the reason i think i'm gonna i'm gonna try out the beta of eight i'm assuming it's still in beta is that after i switched to brave uh, you know, I want to. I got to get a couple plugins installed. One of them is the one password plugin. So I go to install it, and it installs the. I forget what they call it. Now. Is it one password X? Um, what is it? I don't know. There's some name for it, but it's it's the new it's a new one, and it doesn't communicate with one password seven very well. So like you know, was it command backslash to get it to fill stuff in the browser? That that, mm. that won't work. Because my plugin is too new for the one password I have, so and, but they and they told me like if you upgrade to one password eight, the beta, then that all that will work. Oh, okay. So it's weird. As much as one password's awesome, and I've really liked it, and it's, I don't know. I know there's a couple other good ones out there, but it seems like to me they're kind of lead the pack. I, I always had little issues here and there with one password. Yeah, like it just it'll stop working, or you know doesn't do forms right or it just always there's always some kind of and and half the time i'm just like maybe i maybe my mental model is not i'm not just not thinking right i'm not i'm not trying i'm not using this in the way that i'm supposed to be using it but i I tweeted at him about something oh it was about it was about hey i can't get this to work and and then also like this in their in the new plugin a lot of the little windows that pops up they're so narrow that I can't, oh, yeah. I can't, you can't see everything. Uh, yeah. I mean, I have got like four entries that all look identical and only one of them is the right one. And it's, in, and it's important that I get the right one. Yeah. <laughs> and I I've, wonder how you think our circumstances are though. Cause we, it's uh, what other, what other industry has, I mean, lots, uh, lots, lots of people have this problem. I get what you're saying. And it's maybe it's a only like five, 10, 20% of their user base, but that's giving how big they are. That's a, that's a big percentage. And I've, here's the thing that about one password though, that I don't get. Or whatever they're called, Agile Bits. Such mm-hmm. a dumb name. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, Jeremy today. God, I, could, I would rant. Wish I would could have like sat in on that workshopping of their new name because I would have vetoed that name. <laughs> uh, but I've had this argument with them, or not an argument. I've, I've, I've reported this to them before, years ago. That. Even their, their the main app was a lot of the things were not resizable width wise, and I couldn't see my things. And you know, submitted as a bug, and sure enough, you know, three months later, they've made it resizable. Mm. So this happened many times before. And how is it that now we got a new version of you know it's two thousand twenty one? We got a new version of the of the browser plugin, and both of the dialogues on it, both the one that pops up right in a right in a text box, they have that little drop down thing now. And also the one that if you just kind of at the browser level, if you invoke, both of them are fixed width and they're narrow. And I cannot mm-hmm. see any of my logins well enough. Yeah. How, how do we keep regressing back to this? I mean, how do they not learn those lessons? That this does not work. And, yeah, no. and I report it and they're, 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 very, they're very responsive and they're nice. They're like, oh, thank you so much for reporting that. You know, like, 
you know, we're, I'm gonna get this to the, I'm gonna get this to the team and um, thanks for the screenshots and everything. And let us know if you have any other questions about it. I'm just like, I, I don't, how is this continuing? To, how is this a recurring problem? That always needs to be able to be resized. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Business is hard. Software is hard. I don't know. I don't know how, how to explain it. Yeah, I don't know about this Electron thing. I mean, Evernote what was an Electron app until it, uh, well, it was an Electron app. Either way, it was it was one of those apps that was cross platform. It was. I don't think. I think. I don't think it was ever Electron though. It might not have been an yeah. Electron, but it was cl- cross platform. And eventually, they got to the point where they're like, they grew enough. Not that I use them anymore, but they grew enough um, to actually split the code base and have. Um, they had a core. I think was was like native C or C plus yeah. plus or something where they had that shared library that they could kind of manage certain features. But in terms of clients and features and OS integration, they had native apps at once they grew to a certain point. Yep. So this, to me, is regressive, mm. extremely regressive. Yeah. Well, Evernote, that's a frustrating topic for me. I'm, I'm so embedded in it. I mean, I... No, I use it. Oh, I'm, I mean, it, I run everything. It's got all my life. I mean, everything oh, no, from... I know. Now to steal, uh, steal your yeah, identity no, to you go. go to your Evernote. I mean, but ta- taxes, all my personal stuff, my mm. vaccine card, just everything. I mean, that's how I live my insurance card. I mean, everything. Oh, because you and, screenshot and it, and stick yeah, it in yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's all there. So if I, I don't know. My it's question is like. file cabinet, isn't it? Well, my question is, oh, it is. That's what it is. It is my file cabinet. I mean, I dispensed with paper. The only paper stuff I have, I have like one super skinny folder at home that's got like my birth certificate and my social security card and like my passport. That's it. That's all I have. Everything else is digital. I still, I still track. <laughs> I have like paper copies of all my taxes back to like 2009. No. I, think I, I think I keep running 10 or 12 years. Yeah. I don't know. Those are, those are all digital for me nowadays. Um, I mean, my accountant has them digital. I just, yeah. for some reason, I just want those. <laughs> I don't know why. But yeah, I mean, I'd like to, I mean, because Evernote, it's just a mess now. And you can tell they've just, I mean, they've added so much stuff and it just, it's made the app, it's made note taking worse. And, it, mm. and, and, and there's just so many like one step forward, two steps back with Evernote. Well, maybe they need to go to Electron then. And you know, there's, there's been famous, I mean, big write-ups about uh, Evernote uh, really over the past, like, five to ten years about because they were you know they were going to be just be huge i mean i feel like evernote is like they were they're like uh, they got they you know they kind they kind of peaked when merlin man peaked they're like they're like peak merlin man if you're you know if you ever if you followed his <laughs> trajectory and i mean th- there was you know lexmark or whoever was making pr- printer scanner things that were like evernote branded you could get like the evernote model with a bundle you get evernote with it and it's I mean, they had like paper notebooks and they with just, Evernote on it. I mean, they're probably, they probably have shrunken by a factor of 10 since then. And they're just, they're, you know, you can tell they're just throwing stuff at the wall. It's adding all the stuff to get you to use it more. Maybe there's a selling thing, a selling tool, but it just, it's made everything worse. But I'm stuck on it. I mean, uh, what, if the question is like, what's, what's going to be, what's long lasting and, and, and meets my requirements and something I can migrate into. I know, Apple, I know, Apple I, Notes. I know Notes has gotten a lot better. Apple Notes. Yeah. I know it's gotten a lot better, but mm-hmm. I mean, it, you know, if I can import and uh, it's, of course it's got to be all my images and attachments and tags, it's going to have all that Programmer, stuff. just program it. Well, I just don't know if, <laughs> well, my own Notes app. No, program your own migration. Oh, no. I'm, the question is like, does the Notes app support, does it have those fundamental, you know, primitives that I need? Hmm. I thought they had an API for it. They might. How they allowed a lot of this integration to happen. Yep. That'd be cool to write a Evernote to X 
migrator and just like put it on GitHub. I mean, they're probably out there already, actually. <laughs> I'd say that. <laughs> this is the problem with like trying to find something to contribute to an open source. It's like, I know, I'll create that. Oh, it already exists. <laughs> Speaking of which, but that, I, that should, but then you can be like, I'll contribute to that. Yeah. Speaking of which, I saw a cool project the other day. It was, um, have you ever used JQ? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Which is a, I don't know if there's an API for it, but it, to me, I always use it as a command line tool. You can, yeah. you can. Uh, so you know, my, my Alfred tools where I can, it auto logs me in using DX commands and all that. It's a lot of that stuff is handled with JQ. Okay. Yeah. So I get it, the JSON responses and I parse yeah. it and my searching and all that. Cause I can search for logins and things like that out of DX. Yeah. It's kind of like, we ever use JSON path. No. That's similar. JSON path is way more like XPath. It's, mm. it's, you know, you can just write like a little ex JSON path expression that targets like a, a, like a JSON object and like it's, you know, the nth array element, the, the name with the name of this property and whatever, and like, you know, get a result back, a string or something. Um, and JQ is similar to that, although it's a completely different language. Uh, it's, almost, it's actually more like, if comparing it to XML, it'd be more like um, XSL templates, I think. Mm. Because you can, it, it transforms. You can transform. You're not just like pulling a piece out of a JSON document. You're tr you can transform like a document or like a, a, an array of documents to here's my input documents and apply this JQ. And then you get a complete, you can get a completely different transform set of output documents. Um, but it's a, it's a command line thing. So you can compose it, you know, mm -hmm. with just in scripts and, put a bunch of them together to do all kinds of cool JSON stuff. Um, there is, I saw a new, there's something, I think it's called HQ. I could be wrong, but I think it's called HQ. And it's the same type of thing, but for HTML. Hmm. So if you have to, I mean, I'm sure there's been times cool where we've all site. had to, yeah, or, or just process HTML and pull data out of, or transform an HTML document from this type of input to this type of output. Uh, I haven't used it, but I was like, that looks like a cool project. Yeah. I did do some transfer. Tip of the day. That's, that's my, what, what's it called? Tip of, no, that's my, that's my pick. That's your pick of the day. <laughs> Even though I've never used it. <laughs> I've used it? Oh, not HQ. 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 Yeah. yeah. Sorry. And I'm not even sure that's what it's called. I think it was HQ. Anyway. Well, John, we probably should wrap up. We're uh, well past the hour mark. I know you're busy. And I'm busy. Sorry, uh, everyone, that we have not been very active. <laughs> Life got busy. It's busy. Uh, we both been so busy at work. Oh, we have to mention, we are hiring a Salesforce engineer. So, to come work with us. That's one reason why you haven't heard an episode in a long time, because John and I are way too busy. We need help. Yeah. <laughs> so, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your neighbors. If they're good, I don't care. If they're good engineers, have them come talk to us. Go to, uh, what's, what would it be? Elevation.solutions slash careers. Let's see. Make sure I get that right. Where's, come on, Brave. Where's Brave? Elevation.solutions slash, I'm guessing here. That, that's what, that's it. Yep. Um, yeah, help us. Help us find someone. It turns out everyone's well employed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, because you're using Brave. That's why you got those pop-outs when you're using Salesforce, isn't it? Pop-outs. And, and setup. When you, when, you when you go into setup and you go into certain things that are framed, mm -hmm. because the setup just punted yeah yeah and framed a bunch of stuff know. because of the security context it'll actually kick it out into a new tab and that's why you get a new tab and i'm, I'm wondering if that's what brave does because that's what it does in safari because i tried to go full uh -huh. safari yeah and that's 
that's what it started doing. I've seen that, but I do have to it, with Salesforce. You just have to you have to disable Braves all their um, ad and tracker blocking all that stuff. You have to just disable that because there's a thing right now. Like you log into a Salesforce org, and the the was this is happening to me. I was like, what's going on? It it was just pages just refreshing. It's like I'm on like an account screen or something. Mm-hmm. It load and then refresh, load, refresh. Well, oh, stop because of Brave. Stop. Huh. And so I was like, well. And I never had to disable Brave's, you know, protection stuff before. But I tried it, and I'm like that fixed it. I was that I'm like, what is what is Salesforce doing <laughs> that just simply by blocking trackers makes their page refresh constantly? It blocks their trackers' I, ability. To I know it's like you. I know there's probably just some JavaScript that's like, oh, we couldn't we couldn't track you. Reload. Oh, we couldn't track you. Reload. <laughs> just <laughs> repeat. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, what else? Anything you want to part, parting words of wisdom, John? It may be a while before we record again. <laughs> oh, let's not do that. I know. I agree. I forgot. Uh, I enjoy talking to you every once in a while. Yeah, it's it's not bad. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on if I'm in a bad mood or not. No, oh, that happens a lot. I know it me. does. Not with you. With me. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Well, because I've been working a lot and I'm tired and grumpy and I just want to sleep. I don't think I left the house in like three weeks. I don't know. Oh my gosh, John. That's bad. I, 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 I do try to go to the house a few, I, few times a week. No, I think I did go to some... Uh, I've been taking my son to practice for soccer and stuff. That's bad. That kind of doesn't count, though. That doesn't count. Though, no, does not it? really. That's not for you. You got to do a couple things for you. Oh, well, then I haven't done that in a year. <laughs> well, that's not good, John. got to work on that. Goals, okay? Well, hire someone and then I can do I, that. Well, I know. I'm, <laughs> trust me. I'm feeling it, too. All right. Well, dear listeners, no, 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 we haven't. I jumped the gun. Yeah, we. I mean, think of how many people are listening for the first time because we haven't recorded in like a year. They don't. They don't even know about our a famous Good Day Sir Slack community. Yeah. So, dear listener, if you have not joined our community, uh, please come join our Slack. It's at GoodDaySirPodcast.com, and you click on community. Um, we have an email address if you would like to contact us. No requests for sponsorships though please because we don't do them info at gooddayserpodcast.com you can send us uh oh suggestions for topics questions if you want us to like answer a question on the show we do that sometimes if um if you want a sticker you can ask for a sticker just need your address i probably still have something to be sent out i'll try to do that um that's about it share us on the socials we're not all bad guys no we're only 90% bad. Yeah. Yeah. And to that, I say, good day, sir. I haven't said that in a while. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. And when you say CRM, you're showing your age.